going to go ahead and be turning there in your scriptures, or we'll have it appear as well. But Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 5 is going to be our reading today. Um, but before we even really get into the into the scripture, I want to start by, by just developing this understanding and helping. And I pray that we all just look at our lives this morning and recognize something that I believe is a, a common truth amongst all people. In that we oftentimes view the different portions of our life as sectioned off and not and just completely and totally irrelevant to one another, right? I, I think I know there's been many times in my life that, that I like to try to create walls between this section of my life, maybe my my career, my job, and my home or or my family life or my my personal life and think that they are all irrelevant to one another but i want us to understand today that as christians our our faith walk our relationship with christ and all the other areas of our life should be intertwined right they should be interconnected woven together one in the same that there is hard to see the difference of where one ends and one begins because they are so completely and totally interconnected inter Twined one with another. Amen. We will see that here in Paul's life. And I, I fear that the enemy ha, has done a very good job within the church world over the past 2,000 years crafting and cultivating this idea that, that our, our religion, our walk with God should not in any way affect the other areas of our life. But what we see in Scripture is that our walk with God should be the defining factor of every other area of our life. That it should be completely and totally ingrained within one another. Amen. So Acts chapter 8 verses 1 through 5 reads like this. It says, After these things Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them, so because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. For by occupation, they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Is the Christ. In Paul's life, we see a vivid example of how his faith is entwined and interwoven with every area of his life. With what he did day in and day out with his interactions with people, with his interactions with everybody that came around him. His faith walk was a determining factor in all of it. Man. And I want us to start by looking at his, his occupation, his career, how he was a tent maker, but tent makers can be kingdom builders. Amen. Tent makers can be these kingdom builders. Let's look once again at the scripture. It says, so because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for by occupation. They were tent makers. Now we, we know Paul was not of the the raising to where tent makers was his first priority, right? It wasn't something his father did. It wasn't something that his grandfather did that was passed down. Paul was taught by the most elect of the area of that time, right? He had a great education. He had a great establishment. He had all the things that he would need to have the finest jobs in the community, amongst and around, anywhere. But he chose to take take up the trade of a 
hit maker, right? We can go into all the reasons of why he did that, but I want to focus right now on just the fact that he was this tent maker, right? He found these other people that were tent makers and began to to do this trade with them as he was doing Bless doing ministry, Lord. right? And I want us to understand in our life, we all share or have some kind of career. Whether you go to work each and every day, whether you are a homemaker at home with your children, whatever it may be, you have an occupation that you spend your life doing, that you spend your life pouring into. And oftentimes in the world that we live in, we feel that we must maintain that our faith walk and our occupation or our career has to be two distinct things, two things that are completely divided from one another that do not become entangled with one another. But what we see with Paul is quite the opposite. Right? He takes up this job as a tent maker. A tent maker was somebody that could set up shop anywhere. Right? He wasn't tied to one place. He wasn't tied to one city. He wasn't tied to one group of people. He could go anywhere and sell tents because it was something that was needful anywhere and everywhere during that time. It was a way that he could provide for himself while continuing to do the ministry that God had wanted him to do. Right? So right there we see that his decision on what he would do was determined by his faith walk. He said, I can't go be a tax collector because I've got to be tied down to a city. Right? I can't go do this or that or work on the oceans because then I, I can't go to some of the other cities that I feel like I need to go to. I can't do this or that because it might keep me from doing what God wants me to. But, am I a tent maker? I can sell my tents anywhere. I can go into Asia Minor, or I can go into Europe, or I can stay in the Middle East, and I can go north, I can go south, I can go wherever God leads me and do what God has called me to do. Amen. His faith was a factor in the very job that he did on a day-to-day basis. Right Now, many of us, no doubt... Do not look at our life and look at our future and look at our career choices or if we're offered a promotion or if we're offered a new job or somebody comes calling to say, hey, why don't you try this new new kind of job, new thing out there and I think you'd be really good at it. We don't oftentimes think, well, how will this affect my, my faith walk? Yet Paul did. Paul said, how does this uh, affect me doing what God has called me to do? I can be a tent maker, but I can also, while I'm being a tent maker, I can be a kingdom builder. Right, And he used his job in many ways to jump off and do what he was supposed to do in this walk, in this walk that he had, and to do what God had called him to do. I love in Colossians where it says, and I was telling somebody about this the other day, I think I was talking to Bill about it, that the Bible says in one place, do everything as hardly as unto the Lord. Right, and that was Paul's mindset about everything. You and, and we can know that because we look back in early, early in the book of Acts, how he went after the Christians when he was going to persecute them. He did it with a fervency. He did it with a passion. He did it with a zeal because he believed he was doing it for the Lord. Right? Everything Paul did, he did with purpose and passion because he wanted to be pleasing unto the Lord. His faith was what drove him to work and to do what he was doing. Oftentimes in our life, we like to work it out, go into the world and be like, I'm just going to do this and, I, and whatever happens is going to happen and then church will be where I worship the Lord or when I go home, that I'll, I'll talk about the Lord something or I'll read the Bible here. I'll be a good example of a Christian when I'm around my family. But at work, it's a, a different thing, right? But that is a place that we can be kingdom builders for the Lord. And we can do it without even saying the name of Christ. We can do it without even having to preach the gospel or talk about scripture. Just by the life that we live, we can present what it means to be a Christian, to do everything as heartily as unto 
the Lord. Right? That we should be kingdom builders in our workplace. That it should be our desire to go into our career or go into the places that we work and have an impact. Right? We have raised, been raised in churches that we have this belief or this understanding or this thought process that Christianity changes me. And that's all it changes. Or it might change the life of a family. And that's all it changes. But if you really begin to dig down into the history of the church, of the ecclesia, uh, of what it did not just in the New Testament, but what it did even after, when a community was impacted by the gospel, it affected the workplace. It affected the systems of things that were going on in that area. It, it affected the way that people interacted with one another from the top down to the bottom, from the person with the greatest title to the person with the least, when God really came and got a hold of a community. For us as Christians to think, well, just getting saved or just working for the Lord is only going to change our family or change our church is really aiming pretty low, right? Yeah. Is really saying, well, this is all that God is capable of doing. As Christians, we should aspire to impact every aspect of our community for the glory of God. It should be a known fact that when God moves in a community, that no part of the community is left unchanged, right? You look at some of these areas that Paul went into, where they went and taught and everything. I love the story of Jonah. Jonah goes into Tarsus. He goes into this place where, where, where into Nineveh, and he, he avoids it and everything. But he goes to Nineveh, and, and this is a place where everybody just just hated the Lord. They hated each other. There was just great vengeance and violence and pain and suffering in this place. The whole community was radically changed because the experience that they had with God. It wasn't just like they all started going to church on Sunday and everything went back to normal in the workplace. It wasn't like they all just started worshiping the Lord on Sunday and they still were cutting and denying each other in the workplace and doing things in filthy ways and underhanded ways. It radically changed the way that Nineveh lived life. Experiencing in a faith walk with God should radically change the way that we approach the way that we work, the way that we treat people in the workplace or in business, it should have that level of impact. Amen. I would go as far to say that we cannot be saved and remain and do the same thing at work that we used to do. That we cannot be saved and do and have the same kind of work ethic that we used to. That we cannot be saved and have the same kind of business practices that we used to. That living in life for God changes every aspect of us. And that it should be intertwined. Amen. That they should be intertwined together. How you interact with people in the workplace. How you approach the job that God has blessed you with and given you in this season of life. And the decisions that you make for the jobs that you take. And the course that you go on your career path. All of that should be intertwined with your faith walk. With your relationship with God. And we see that with Paul. We see that example with Paul. He finds these people that are tent makers so that he can continue to do this ministry that he was called to do to get better at it. Like I said, Paul wasn't a tent maker by trade. He probably was still learning as he went, but he said, I'm going to go with these people who've been doing it a long time. I'm going to learn and get better at that so I can honor God with what I'm doing, but it's not going to keep me from doing what God has called me to do. The first thing, and that is being the minister that God has established me to be, to be a kingdom builder. He said, I could be a tent maker 
and I could be a kingdom builder. I'm going to do everything as heartily as unto the Lord. He writes that in Colossians, right? And so we know that that is a priority to him. But we see that his relationship with God affected the way that he viewed his occupation, viewed his work, viewed how he how he worked, where he worked, what he worked on, who he worked with. It impacted all of that. And he said, I can't separate the two. I can't act like one doesn't have anything to do with the other. My relationship with God has a big impact on this. And this is if you work 40 hours a week, 60 hours a week, if you own your own business, if you work for the man, whatever it may be, if you're a stay-at-home mom, all of that that we do with our daily life should be impacted and influenced by our relationship with God. We should not just say, I'm a stay-at-home mom, but I'm a stay-at-home mom and a kingdom builder. We shouldn't just say, I'm a factory worker, I'm a factory worker, and I'm a kingdom builder. I'm not just a teacher, I'm a teacher, and I'm a kingdom builder. I'm not just a layman, I'm a layman, and I'm a kingdom builder. I'm not just a a, a small business owner, I'm a small business owner and a kingdom builder. We are put here to build the kingdom of God and share the gospel in some way, fashion, or form. And that should be intertwined with their work, right? I was telling Bill the other day that I view teaching as a way of of ministry, right? And I don't get up there, and it's not like I get courses on, you know, teaching the Bible, right? It's not that I even quote the Bible. But I go in there understanding that, and, and every morning I try to remind myself, I'm teaching these youngins to read so that one day they can read the Word of God, right? I'm teaching these youngins science so they can see the handiwork of God. I teach them social studies and history so that they can see what God has done throughout the ages of time. I teach them math so they can see the complexities of the world that God has created. We can have an impact and we can show people God without having to get off preaching, without having to get on our soapbox, without even having to pull out a Bible sometimes. We can be an influence in our workplace with the people that we work with in many different ways, but we have to allow our relationship with God to impact how we approach every day, every 40-hour week, whatever it may be, how we approach it, right? They're intertwined. But also friendships with, with faith. He says here, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to, to them, to them. Paul, we know, was a unique individual. And still would be today. In his background, in his history, in the life that he lived, in his interactions with the world around him. He was a unique individual. But Paul realized that he needed to have friendships within the faith. That he could not be alone in his faith journey. And it says, he found. Now you can say this means he stumbled across them. But most times I don't stumble across something unless I'm looking for it in the first place, right? I wholeheartedly believe, because we know, we read later on, Silas and Timothy were gone at first, right? He, we we kind of can pick up, he goes into Corinth alone. Silas and Timothy were other places. They had a good relationship already built together. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, but Paul goes into Corinth alone, and he is searching for relationships that he can have within the faith. Right? To strengthen him, to build him up, to encourage him and help him to continue on the ministry that he is doing. And he finds a certain Jew named Aquila, born of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife, 
Priscilla go through, and he came to them. Friendships within the faith, with the faith. Right? And I think a lot of times we go on life's journey and we view our relationships and our friendships sometimes almost an escape from everything that's going on around us. And I'm afraid that sometimes we can even view our friendships as an escape from our walk with God, right? It's something that is distant or separate from it, but it should not be, right? The relationships that we build, the relationships that we have with those around us should have our faith intertwined within it. Right? We should have that as a priority within our friends group, within those that we interact with, within those that we build lives with and things of that nature. Faith should be a priority with that. Right? That we should have interactions with people of that mindset that God is the priority in everything that we do. We should have interactions with people who believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior. We should have interactions with people that believe that we should have a moral aptitude to follow in the footsteps of what Christ did. We should have relationships with people that have a desire to be like Christ was, that challenge us to be more like Christ is, right? Our friendships should be and have a faith focus to them. This is not me saying that we should not befriend people that are lost in the world. We should know and build relationships with those that are lost. But we should also have strong, founded friendships with people that challenge us to and will correct us when they see us struggling. That will challenge us to be more like the men and women of God that He desires for us to be. That will hear our plight and not say, well, you should just do this sinful thing, but will challenge us to do the right thing in it. An ear to go to, a shoulder to cry on, but one that knows the Word and will give you the Word when push comes to shove. Right? Listen, I can be a friend and tell somebody all they want to hear. Right? But a friend in faith will tell you what the Bible says for you. And what God wants you to hear. Because let's all be honest. If every friend that we had told us everything we wanted to hear, we wouldn't oftentimes be living a life that would be pleasing to God. Right? we got some friends that they say, you mad at that person, let's just go get a shovel and let's go take care of business, right? We can't be that way. We need the friend that says, you need to take a chill pill and talk to Jesus for it for a moment. We have to have those relationships that will correct the sinful attitude within us and redirect us towards the path that Christ wants us on. That won't say, yeah, you go and get it. You do what your heart wants to. You do what's thriving within you. You do what makes you happy. The Bible says the heart is a deceitful thing. So we need somebody to remind us, your heart's deceitful, Jacob. Don't do what it wants you to. We need somebody to remind us, don't lean on your own understanding, Jacob. It might make sense to you, but look at what the Bible says. We need those relationships and those friendships to keep us grounded and founded in the Word of God, and in our relationship with Him. Amen. Over in in Romans 12, verse 10, it says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. We need those friendships. And those friendships come within the family of faith that we have. The families that that will bring that affection because we know we are all sinful in nature and understand that we mess up and we make mistakes and we have downfalls, right? We need those that will give us that brotherly love, that love that will be there no matter what happens, but that brotherly love that also will challenge us when we are astray, right? We need that that will 
put another before our ourselves. And if we walk in the footsteps of Christ, then that should come just second nature to us to put another before our ourselves. But but we need to have friendships within the the faith. And we talk about it to our teenagers and our kids in school and different things. Well, don't hang around with those bad apples. They'll just they'll drag you down. And then we become t- we become adults ourselves, and we tend to hang around with bad apples a lot of times. We need to take the own advice that we would give our our children. Be around those that will influence you for the cause of Christ. That will remind you of Scripture instead of reminding you of what somebody else said that just makes you feel good about yourself. That will tell you when they see you going astray, when they when they see you in a fall. That they will reach out a hand to to lift you up. Amen. But not get down right there with you. We need those friendships of faith. Our faith walk must be intertwined, interwoven with the relationships that we build in life, with the friendships that we have. We need those relationships that are built upon not just common likes of things like that, but a commonality within our belief in Jesus Christ as the, our Lord and Savior and the Creator of the world. That has to be interwoven Amen. together. Amen. But it also should impact wise counsel. And this will go both ways. Right? I love the story of Paul and Timothy and Silas and Barnabas as well. They, they, they play different aspects of it. But here we go through and down here. And it says, So he reasoned the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. If you're unaware of the relationship that Paul has with Timothy, it's almost closer to a father-son relationship than it is just friendship. Paul in every aspect is Timothy's mentor, is Timothy's pastor in a, in a deeply intimate and interwoven way. They are interconnected, right? Just, just in, the, in, the, in the small amount of verses and books of the Bible that we have that Paul wrote, it is very clear that he viewed Timothy in a way uh, of a son. He even calls him likened unto a son in several different situations. He was a mentor to Timothy. Right. We look at his scriptures, and we'll even read one here in the Second Timothy chapter two, verse two, um, where multiple times he is constantly giving wise counsel to Timothy, giving wise counsel to Timothy about how to interact with people, how to lead people, how to encourage people, how to share the gospel, how to evangelize, how to live in a world that is full of sin, how to be the man that God wants him to be, how to be faithful, how to be honorable, how to be righteous, how to be holy, how to be who God has desired for him to be, to follow in that pathway. Paul is the mentor that Timothy needed. And that mentorship was intertwined with their faith walk. It was influenced and impacted by both of their relationship with God. And the reality is in life that more often than, than we realize, we are taking counsel from somebody. Sometimes it, it, it's very just straightforward. We're getting counsel from someone. We've went to them for some, with some question, with some 
desire for understanding, with some lack of knowledge, seeking wisdom from them. Maybe it's a, a family member, a, an older, older person with, within our people that we love, or whatever it may be. Uh, maybe it's a friend, a counselor. But, but sometimes counsel comes in ways that, that we really don't perceive. Sometimes it's as simple as a post that's on Facebook and we take it as counsel. Or sometimes it's something we see on the TV screen and we, we take it as, as counsel and we apply it to our life. Sometimes it's just seeing somebody else's life and we're like, well, that's just wise counsel of what I should or, or shouldn't do. And If we're not weary, we will oftentimes take counsel from places that we do not need counsel from. That we will obtain wisdom from places that we do not need to gain wisdom from. We will take advice from parties that we do not take, need to take advice from. We need to be wary of slipping into that place. See, Timothy could have very easily, once Paul had, had rode off and left him in a city to take care of the church there, could have very easily went to one of the elders in the community that might have been teaching a a false or an accurate doctrine and and sought wisdom from them. He could have very easily went to one of the leaders in the community that was having some success and, and took wisdom from them without taking into account what is this person teaching, what do they believe, what do they stand on, what do they stand for, and taken that counsel as, as good counsel. But we need to acknowledge where the counsel comes from. There's a lot of things that sound good that come from places that they shouldn't, that aren't good. What's the old saying in euphemism? We're broke clocks, right? Twice a day. Even the, the most illiterate, uneducated person without any kind of sense of the world around them can say something pretty smart every now and then. Can have something that will give you good direction every now and then. Even somebody that's lost out in the world might say something that sounds righteous or holy every now and then. But if we really want to seek counsel on how we should live the life that God has placed before us, we need to go to a fountain that is pure and good. The fountain that flows from the depths of what God has placed within us. And we need to understand that. Just as Timothy knew what Paul says I can count on because we are interwoven, intertwined. Everything of Paul's life is intertwined with his relationship with God. And he sees that, right? He, he sees how he interacts with his work. He sees how he interacts with his friends. He sees how he interacts with, with those of, of high esteem or low esteem. And he sees all of it and he says, Hey, I want to take counsel from him because I see the evidence of who Paul is. And we need to be aware of where we are getting counsel from. Who we are getting counsel from. Everybody that's willing to give you advice isn't going to have the best answer. I've realized in my life the people that are most readily willing or wanting to give advice sometimes are the ones that are least qualified to give it. And it's usually the still waters that run deep. And it's the ones that don't always just forthright come and give it that have the knowledge that we need and the wisdom that we need. We need to find those fountains. We need to find those people in our life that we can look to for mentorship and guidance in our walks with Christ. Amen. Men and women of God, 
They might be older, younger. They might be in the faith for a long time, or they might still be kind of... But we can find those people that can give wise counsel. And we, that may be more mature, are told in Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these two faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is Paul writing to Timothy. And he's straight up saying, Timothy, I have mentored you. I have taught you. In many ways, in your faith walk, I have raised you. <coughs> Take what I have taught. And, and the parallels should not, should, should not escape us. What Paul is saying in this is many ways is that he's pulling directly from the Great Commission when Christ said, go and teach them what I have taught you. He is drawing a, a direct parallel saying that we as Christians, he's saying, hey, I learned this from Barnabas. Barnabas learned it from one of the apostles and I'm teaching it to you and now you teach it to somebody else and we need to be able and willing to take and to give Wise counsel. Wise counsel. And that comes from having all of our life intertwined with our relationship with God. Right? <coughs> we look at our youth, teenagers and younger and young adults, and we look at them and we, we have to acknowledge and we have to understand and in many ways we have to celebrate that one day they will be leading what we currently lead. And if we fail to provide wise counsel, then we fail them. We fail them. And to provide wise counsel, I've learned I have to be willing to receive wise counsel. Wise counsel just doesn't crop up overnight. Um, you can learn some of it from experience, but much you can learn from somebody that's already been there and been through it. And we need to understand that we should be a... What is it? Is it Golden Corral that has the chocolate fountain? Where it flows down into one cup and then it flows down into another cup and it flows down. In all honesty, in my mind, that feels pretty nasty because how many little kids have stuck their grimy fingers in that chocolate? But it's still chocolate, right? A lot of people are going to be in relationship with God, right? And yeah, there might be some people that you're like, I, I don't know, I don't like the idea of giving them counts. I don't know how to build a relationship with that person. We still need to be that overflowing cup. That God poured into somebody and that somebody poured into us and we pour into somebody. We have to acknowledge where it comes from initially. And it all comes. Every good gift, every good thing comes from above, right? But it has. if it comes from above, we should receive that. And then we should turn and we should give that right back. And we should let it flow into somebody else. Good, wise counsel. Humbly learn from those who have walked the path before us. Embrace those opportunities to be mentored and to mentor others and continue to share it with those 
that are coming up below us, right? But it's all intertwined. If I shouldn't think that I can get good counsel of how to be a Christian from somebody that's not walking in the faith. I'm not going to be able to get good counsel from somebody about how to be a good husband or wife from somebody that's not in a good place in their faith walk. I mean, that's just how Scripture teaches us. I I can't get good counsel of how to be a man of God or for a woman to be a woman of God from somebody who does not have a faith walk with Christ. Our counsel, our wisdom, our knowledge, our understanding should come and we should be able to trace it back to the Lord where all good things come from. Man, where does our counsel come from? Is it intertwined with our faith? You wouldn't go to somebody who is broke to get financial advice. I mean, if you do, then, I mean, you're not going to go to somebody who can't grow a garden about how to grow potatoes. You're not going to go to somebody who always has a broke car about how to fix it. You're not going to go to somebody who's paint chipping on their house about how to paint your house or whatever it may be. Go on and on with that example. We need, if we want a strong relationship with Christ, seek counsel first from the Word of God, undoubtedly. But He has also placed Barnabas's and Silas's and Paul's and as we go on, Timothy's in our life to receive that good counsel from. But it should be intertwined. It should be intertwined. We see here with Paul. In many ways, why he was so successful, why he was able to have the impact that he did, and that is because his relationship with God was intertwined with everything else that he did. With everything else that he did. With his career. With, his, with where he, with what he, what he got the money to buy, the food that he ate from, he decided what to do because of his walk with God, with his relationships that he built and friendships that he had. It was intertwined with: Does this person going to support me in my faith journey? Are they going to challenge me? Are they going to encourage me? Are they going to be the friend that I need along life's journey, along this path that I'm walking with God? And he looked and he said, the the counsel that I give and the counsel that I receive. Where is it coming from? Is it coming from a place that gives life? Or a fountain that brings death? It all should be intertwined. Man, I I pray that you look at your life. Like I said, uh, we start. I I, I hope that every time we, we begin this journey, as we go through a sermon, That you have a pretty good evaluation of your life, knowing where you currently stand, so that as we go through this, that the Holy Spirit can very clearly point out and 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 just highlight the areas in yours and my life that that we are failing, that we are coming short, and that we are not aligned with what God desires for us. Maybe you look at your life and and it's all in its nice own little boxes not intertwined not interwoven together your family is your family and everything with your family stays in your 
family box and your church is your church and everything with your church stays in your church box. And, and for some, maybe your church box and your relationship with God box are still two boxes on their own. I don't know. Your career stays with your career and your friends stay with your friends and your personal choices stay with your personal choices and they all have their nice little place and you try to keep them separated. But the reality in life is life is messy. And they're going to get all mixed up anyway. So why not allow God to be the common thread through all of them? Something will be. It could be your history and your past sins. It could be your poor choices. It could be the broken habits that you have. It could be all those bad things. Or it could be God. Let God be that common thread through all things. Man, what is that thread in your life? What is that that weaves your life together, that connects it at its core base level? What is that thing? If it's not God today, I I pray that you come and talk with Him. And you can be a a Christian and be in a bad place with this. You can be somebody who's walked with God for ages and be in a bad place with this. But if God is not that common thread through all things, I pray that you come and talk with Him today about what needs to change to make that happen. Amen. The altar is, is open.